Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. I do podcast episode 27. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? 
Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Blair Glazer. Hi, Blair. Hey, Blair. Hi. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. Happy to be with you guys. Great. We're excited to be here with you. Blair Glazer is a writer, consultant, therapist, and leadership mentor who assists in creating thriving teams and fixing broken ones. Blair's foundational experiences bring together a unique practice in which he has consulted with couples and individuals from all walks of life, as well as executives, managers, financial institutions, and Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. She has been practicing her unique blend of therapy and coaching for 15 years and has ran groups and workshops since 1998. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. I think that relationships really are the cornerstone of our lives, right? It's Mm -hmm. that cliche that when you get to your deathbed, what you think about are the people that you've loved. And so... Certainly, personally, for me, my relationships are how I judge how I'm doing in my life. And um, love is something that drives everyone, even, even at work. So the foundation of my work really is about leadership and relationship. And one of the things that I'm fascinated about is how leadership principles that you learn at work actually translate really well into your personal relationships, the ones that you have to pay attention to very closely, like a husband or a boyfriend. So um, I'm currently developing some models of relating that involve bringing leadership skills into personal relationships. Excellent. Well, our topic today is a question uh, posed as a question in an article you wrote, and I'm sure it's a question a lot of people have, I know I do, is do relationships really need to be a lot of work? Yes. That's a good question. (laughs) In your article, you say a lot of the time relationships can feel like they're a lot of work, is especially when you're in a transition part in the relationship. That's right. That's right. And uh, do you mind give us a little idea of what transition parts in the relationship are and how people should deal with that? Absolutely. The first transition that we all experience in a love relationship is when that unique falling in love bubble bursts. Mm-hmm. I think we've all had that moment where it's just not going to be on that same high anymore. Something's happened. There's been a critical conflict of some sort, and you have to find your way back to that place. And that's a, that's a transition that we all go through when the relationship becomes more real and you start to become more of your individual selves again. And then there are other transitions that are marked by life experiences, like getting engaged becomes a transition as you build towards a married life, having your first child, or if one person in the relationship has a new job and the stress level changes, or another person needs to start commuting somewhere. And these transitions usually create some upset that requires some work in order to sort out how you guys are going to move forward together. Yeah, and these these transitions can create tough spots in the relationship. And I like the first one you pointed out is the transition from the beginning of love to when a relationship becomes real. It's not something I 
personally thought of as a major, you know, it's not like a physical job change or anything, but it is something that pretty much all mature relationships go through. That's right. That's right. We don't talk about it as transition. I think talking about it in that way can help you take the pain of it less personally. It's yeah. actually healthy that mm-hmm. that happens. Absolutely. And we've talked about in other interviews that you're really, and you mentioned it, you're coming off this high, but really chemically in your brain, you're on drugs when you're falling in love. It's, it's uh, induced psychosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's important to recognize that and, and as a transition phase in your relationship. Exactly. Exactly. And to understand it as that, to hopefully get a little bit less upset. It's always upsetting. But uh, the best part is when you find your way back from that place to the partnership, then you have not only that good connection that's brought you together, but then this deeper sense that you've gotten through something difficult. And that's where the real bonding starts. A lot of the times you address that it's it's good to address expectations and really setting up the appropriate structures that will help each partner get to know the needs that each uh, each individual needs in the relationship. I find that people, when they go into relationships, don't really understand that you have to have certain conversations that will help the relationship move along. We kind of just think, oh, well, we're in love and we have a partner and things are just going to keep going. But the structures that I invite people to create are similar to the ones that they might have at work. If you're not going to have a daily morning meeting, which could be excessive for a lot of people, how about twice a month, once a month for some people? How are things going? What are we doing that's working? What are we doing that could use a little tweaking? Being able to have those conversations plainly and matter-of-factly and with as little emotional upset as possible. Sometimes there needs to be some, but these types of conversations are really important. So I invite couples to make time for them. And you talk about deal breakers and non-negotiables in a relationship. What might these be and how should we address that? Well, you know, a lot of people understand what their deal breakers are when they start out, right? I don't want to be with a smoker. I don't want to be with someone that doesn't have a job. These are deal breakers that are easy to spot. But once you get into a relationship, you might find deal breakers that you didn't know you had. I had an experience with someone who I cared for very much who did not take care of his physical body. He didn't work out in any way, shape, or form. I didn't know or even think that this would be a deal breaker. But what I found is that as I'm starting to age, that creates a lot of anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. In addition to the fact that physical exercise is an important part of taking care of oneself, and when you're in a relationship, if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're burdening your partner. So that became a deal breaker, and what that caused us to do was to really have a conversation about, wow, I'm finding that I'm having a really hard time with this. I didn't think I would. I didn't know the extent to which she worked out, and... Um, we're getting older and concerned. So I'd like to figure out a way for us to move forward. Was that a good example? Yeah, Does absolutely. that give you an idea? Definitely. Okay, and, and do you have any tips for couples if they're maybe in the same situation like you were, how to address that with your partner? Yes. I mean, basically the words that I just used were pretty much what I said. 
And what I did that I think is really, you know, took a lot of years to learn is that the emotions that I felt about it, I took elsewhere. It wasn't as though I didn't communicate to my partner that I was upset or nervous, but I didn't bring all of that upset and nervous energy to the conversation. It was very matter of fact. It was very direct, and it was as loving as I could be. But I think one of the things that's really important and very difficult for partners to remember is that when you have to go into a conversation about a deal breaker, to really keep your eye on the team, to say, I am bringing this information, which is of concern to me, because I'm looking out for us. It takes some training to be able to do that. It's a mature thing. And sometimes people are sneaky about it. You want to be careful. They'll say, I'm telling you that you look fat for us. That's not okay. Right. <laughs> That's not okay. Yeah, I can imagine that it's it's hard to not have a deal breaker like that in the beginning of your relationship, but then it arises and you're faced with something you didn't think you would have to be. And now you, it's kind of like a wake up call. Like, uh, now you have to deal with it. I can imagine that's a difficult situation to be in. It, it is. And it's so common because when we first meet someone, Chase, as you said, we are, our brains are clouded by the drug and we don't see certain things that maybe we should, or even it just takes, time for people to be revealed. Sometimes it's not even our fault. Sometimes you'll meet somebody and they've been in AA for 15 years and they go back to drinking. All of a sudden, you're with somebody that has a substance abuse problem. These things happen Mm -hmm. and they are messy. But uh, you can do your best to equip yourself with skills to get through those times. And I recommend that all couples figure it out for themselves, what works for them. Yeah, and a, and a big key of that is going to be communication. You touched on it, but like so many things, it's kind of cliche. But I, I never, I never am afraid to mention it as much as we can because it is so important. It is so important, and one of the things that is really important about communication that isn't talked about a lot is that people communicate differently. I think when we talk about communication as relationship experts we have this certain idea of what that's going to look like. And not everybody can communicate in the same way. But the intention to communicate needs to be there. And the couple has to agree on how they're going to communicate in ways that make the partnership work for both of them. What happens if a couple doesn't address the deal breakers? How detrimental can that be for the relationship? You know, in that article that you're referring to, it was very detrimental for the time that he was not addressing the fact that he didn't want to be with a woman who was what we call stonewalling, shutting him out. Mm-hmm. That that really, that kind of emotional distancing wasn't going to be okay for him. When he was able to find that language and bring it to her, it, thank God it changed things. But um, really, you know... He, you have to deal with the upset and the disappointment and the shock, and then you need to do what you can to find the right course of action to move forward. There are some things that uh, you may think is a deal breaker that might not really be a deal breaker. You just want to be sad about. So let me give you an example. Um, If somebody starts to um, play poker and uh, with their friends, and you have a thing against gambling, but you realize, you know what, I don't like that my partner is out playing poker, but it's really a community thing, 
and I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to let go of it because this relationship means more. As long as he's not out at night at the casino, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh So overall, would you say relationships are a lot of work or no? (laughs) Here's the thing. I don't think they have to be. I think that they will be at certain junctures. And the more you get comfortable with being together through those hard times, they don't have to be a lot of work. In fact, it should start being more and more fun and easy as you get through each hard time and you figure out who the other person is and how to best meet their needs in those times. Yeah, I agree. I think they don't have to be, but I think that's the key word is they don't have to be, but they can be. And and you mentioned in the transition times, certainly, but I think also if these deal breakers and non-negotiables and other issues are not addressed and communicated, then it can be a whole lot of work. Oh, yes, you're absolutely right. And um, when a relationship is too much work, there really needs to be the question, is it worth it? But I'll tell you something interesting. There are some couples that are together because their idea of intimacy is working on their stuff. And for those couples, the relationship will probably be a lot of work, but they'll like it. They'll like it that way, <laughs> as long as they're in agreement. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Everyone's yeah. different. Everyone's exactly. relationship is different. Everyone thinks about relationships differently and uses relationships differently. And I, I'm interested in making people conscious about that. Right now, we're just doing it automatically. And hopefully you'll find someone that does relationship and has the same relationship values that you do. Yeah, I, I think that's the key that, that you said is to, to be conscious of it, whether you gain that through your relationship or you go to someone in therapy. But recognizing why your relationship is working or why it's not working and taking the steps to, to highlight it and fix it or to concentrate on the reasons it is working. What do you find is the most common reason couples struggle in their relationship? Most experts will say something like sex, money, kids, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the areas through which they struggle. But I think underneath all of those issues, it's really about power. That we are beings that are by nature looking to balance power have a relationship to power that we can uh, feel good about. And as each person in the couple does that, I think the struggle, the struggle get, get whatever the topic is, it really has to do with power. So to, to give you a story real quick, um, if you're thinking about a, a couple that has one person out in the world making money and another person staying home and taking care of the kids, frequently the person who is staying home with the chil- with children feels less powerful. And that's because our culture very much values the going out into the world and making an impact. And in fact, that is quite a powerful thing to do. So there needs to be a couple of things that happen in that. Um, One is that if the couple has enough of a sense of a team that they can find ways for the person staying home with the kids to also have something, some outlet for their personal power if they don't find it in the child rearing. 
And the other thing would be to sometimes it's about time. It's like, well, I'm going to stay home with the kids for this period and we'll do, I'll do that for the team and I'll be writing my novel. And when my book gets published, you'll be staying home with the children and I'll be out in the world making an impact. And as long as both couples, both parties are feeling powerful, it's, it's going to be easier and less, let, there'll be less conflict. That's great advice. Very interesting how you sort of broke it down and offered a solution to that. Good. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. Sarah's up first. Okay. Well, my question has to do with the transition periods and when that causes complications in the relationship. And what are the best solutions? I know communicating with your partner and and, and telling them how you're feeling is, is the most important. But what are some other areas? Should they seek therapy or what would you recommend? Well, let me ask you something. Do you have a, either a personal or an example from a friend or somebody that we could make up and we could explore that example? Well, I have a girlfriend who, and it's not really a transition period because she's had a, a problem with her boyfriend's career for a while, so it's not really a transition period. Let's but go with it. Let's go with it. Maybe, it. maybe I could see how it's related to transition. So, yeah, she just she's just not comfortable with his career and she wished that he would move on. He says that he will, you know, before he's a certain age, but it, it's past that age and he's still full on in the career. Okay. So it is a transition period, actually, because in the agreement in the relationship, he said, I'm going to do this career, which you have a problem with until this point. And then he didn't keep his word. So in some ways that point has passed and they're moving into a different mm-hmm. phase, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, since you are calling, she's calling him her boyfriend, I'm thinking that part of this career change is something that she's invested in him doing because she's looking to deepen the relationship and maybe move to the next phase of either living together or marriage. Am I right? Yep. Okay. So what I would suggest for your girlfriend is for her to have a real heart-to-heart about what they're doing together. So far, it sounds like they've had some fun. They enjoy each other's company. She's interested in maybe moving forward, and maybe he is too, but he's not interested in, in being in a career that doesn't aggravate the relationship. I don't know what the career is, and I'd like to know more about that. So this can be a conversation about what is it we're doing together? What is our long-term vision? Do we have enough in common to create a partnership to, to sustain that vision? And that becomes less about you're still in your job and you said you'd not you'd leave your job and why aren't you leaving your job? It really becomes about are we at the same, are, do we have enough in common to continue to move forward? And if so, how are we going to do it? Great. Well, I'll definitely have to, I think that's that's amazing advice and it's not an easy conversation to have to address that, but it's gonna save you so much trouble in the long run and make your relationship so much better that it, it's one that I would encourage any listeners out there, if they need to have it, to do it. You know, Chase, that's no small thing that you said. It's not an easy conversation. And I think we make relationships a lot more work because we don't want to have conversations that make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
So again, if we can just set up a little structure like, okay, at the end of the month, we're going to have that conversation where we get to dialogue about these things that maybe make us a little uncomfortable to talk about, it'll save you a lot of heartache in the long run. So that's a good point. It's not easy, but it gets easier. And it really is like a business, like you were saying, those those meetings that you have. And I think people can really relate to that because if they understand that in their workplace, they have to have meetings to get things done and be uh, productive, that you have to do it in your relationship too. You got it. You made the connection. You made the crossover. Why wouldn't it be the same? Exactly. Excellent. Well, my question is kind of along those same lines of tying it into business. I know earlier we mentioned that you're really interested in leadership and bringing that into relationships. So just quickly, could you just give an example of of how that a leadership dynamic might be involved in a um, relationship? Sure, sure. One thing I haven't mentioned that is also a big part of my work is about roles. When we're in a relationship, we play a lot of different roles. Most of the time, they're not discussed. But at work, everybody needs to be really clear on their role in order for an organization to work, even if it's just an organization of two. Everyone needs to know what their role is and what their tasks are. Yeah, it's a great analogy that so many people can relate to because most people work in an (laughs) office. You know, most people may not be in a perfect relationship, but... Uh, you know, they work in an office and they, they can see that dynamic and the analogy is, is great. That's right. And another thing that happens people at work will understand is that when people don't know what their job is or they don't really know why they're at a company or they're at a company for their own reasons and they really don't care about the company's reasons, there are a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they probably don't last. <laughs> right. Right. And when yeah. they do, it's really hard. So, you can understand then back in relationships that it's really important to bring an awareness to the roles we're playing and that we don't know what the roles are to have a discussion about that. And if we don't like the roles that we find ourselves in to be able to shift that and maybe negotiate that with our partner, because when we're not really clear on the roles or what the task is, then we default to these really unconscious behaviors. Excellent. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask, you a, we'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Blair, are you ready to help us build lasting love? I am so ready. <laughs> What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? My favorite answer to that is to touch. A hug, hand-holding, if not actual sex, a kiss, if they're far apart, uh, a text or a phone call, but some, if they're in the same space, physical contact. Just that very special, I'm here. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? Yes. Um, First, I have to plug my course which is about bringing leadership skills to relationships. It's called Lovers and Leaders. And you can find more information about that. A new one starts on May 15th. It's a four-week course, and it's very affordable, and it teaches these skills to people either in relationship or who want to be in relationship. 
and uh, that's at blairglazer.com. If you click on the homepage, you'll see a link to the course. Great. Well, those links will be on our website, on your show notes page at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there and, and check out that link. And hopefully we'll get some of our listeners to check out that course. Excellent. Excellent. I also really, I love this book by um, Pat Love and Stephen, Stephen, I think his name is Stasny. It's called How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking. And uh, they don't outline it in terms of leadership skills, but some of the things that they talk about are really, really instructive, I think, for couples. So that, that's my second book. Well, we're getting married this year. Is there any advice? Thank you very much. <laughs> Is there any advice you would give newlyweds or engaged couples? Yes, my favorite thing these days is to ask people why they're getting married and what the marriage is for. And this is not necessarily an easy question to answer. Sometimes it is. But it's also a question that I invite couples to revisit every three to five years. That's great advice. And it's about just that checking in sort of meeting that we talked about, whether you're dealing with someone that, you know, you don't know the status of your relationship and they got a new job and or if you're married. Right. Well, I mean, really, like when you're getting married, you're joining forces and so many of the people that we know just fall into marriage because it's supposed to. But these days, with all the options that we have for satisfying lives, if you're going to marry somebody, you really want to know why. And I think the answer needs to be a little more complex than because I love him or her. Because you can love someone very deeply and not marry them. What is the point of tying the knot. What is it that you're trying to build together? What is it that you're doing together as a married couple? So it's kind of sophisticated, but it's a good meditation for for a couple to engage in. Absolutely. We're going to get right into that tonight. Great. Let me know how it goes, okay? (laughs) Perfect. Well, if you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? I think that it's learning to fight fair and well. It's going to be inevitable that conflicts will arise, whether it's with over time or in-laws or the way that you're raising the children. And to be able to understand that conflict is a natural part of two different people trying to make something else. And if you can begin to understand that and create guidelines, guidelines for keeping your fights clean and above the belt, guidelines that work for both parties, then I think it becomes safer to engage conflict, and that makes for a really interesting and dynamic relationship. And again, the things that I'm mentioning in this call take practice. Find a couples counselor in your area. There are many resources through which you can get this kind of training. Um, I mentioned the course. But it's really important if you feel like you're failing to do it on your own to get some help. There's no shame in that. Um, we need other people to see what we can't quite see. It's totally a wonderful thing to do for your relationship, even if you're not in crisis. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, Blair, we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, great. Um, please find me at BlairGlazer.com. That's B-L-A-I-R-G-L-A-S-E-R.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at BlairGlazer or Facebook. Blair got blazer and um, feel free to email me with your questions, thoughts, and uh, you can also find me on various relationship sites like your tango Huffington post, um, pop sugar. Uh, I think I have another article coming out uh, on uh, your tango pretty soon. So these are places you can find my writing. If you don't subscribe also to my blog. All right. That was so fun. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. And our listeners know that they can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And thank you so much for your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. You guys are so absolutely adorable. And I wish you the best. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. We move forward together. Thanks for inviting me. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com